The Bank of England has hiked, but not as much as some expected, so the pound fell overnight. US bond yields are up again to nine-month highs on fears of extra Treasury issuance. The Bank of Japan has intervened again. And we look ahead to the Reserve Bank of Australia's monetary policy statement later today, and of course, US non-farm payrolls tonight. That's coming up in our five things in less than five minutes. And then we go deep in less than five minutes to see whether India's growth can make up for China's slowdown in demand for commodities. Some of the economic growth in India will be fueled by commodity-intensive structural trends like infrastructure investment, manufacturing expansion and urbanisation. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, number one, the Bank of England lifted its cash rate by another 25 basis points to 5.25% overnight. That's its 14th hike in a row to a 15-year high. But the pound initially fell almost one US cent to $1.26 because markets had priced in a third chance of a hike that was 50 basis points. And the bank's economic forecasts were actually weaker than expected. Market expectations now about the peak for the Bank of England's rate have shifted lower in recent weeks, so it's gone from just over 6% down to 5.7%. So there's a couple more hikes to go, according to the markets. And by the end of London trading time, the pound was back up where it started at $1.27. Number two, the Reserve Bank of Australia releases its quarterly statement on monetary policy at 11.30 this morning Australian Eastern Time. Markets are currently pricing in about half of a rate hike next month. AMZ's Head of Australian Economics, Adam Boyton, tells us what he'll be looking for. The key thing that people will be looking for is what's that endpoint inflation forecast? That is, where does the RBA see inflation at the end of 2025? They told us in the statement on Tuesday that they have it at around three and a quarter percent by the end of 2024. They said within the band in late 2025. So the key thing the market's going to be looking for is what's that number? And I don't think uh, this is what we will get, but if it's 3.0, that would be a sign that there's a real risk the next move in interest rates is up. If it's 2.5, 2.5, I think what that says is the bank's pretty comfortable with how things are panning out. And if it's 2.75, then I'd say the market's probably right in thinking there's a risk that we get an interest rate increase over the next few months, but that's, you know, that, that's still less than 50% in my view. Number three, US bond yields have risen again overnight to a nine-month high. This is ahead of the key US non-farm payrolls data release that's up tonight. Jobs growth of around 200,000 is expected. That's about the same as June, but it is down from earlier in the year, and it's helping take some of the inflation pressure off the Fed. And it's Chair Jerome Powell. Here's ANZ senior economist Tom Kenny talking from Sydney on how the Fed will be thinking about these figures tonight. Powell said at his recent press conference following the FOMC meeting that the Fed would be studying closely uh, the two jobs reports and the two CPI reports. So I think he would be looking for more of the same in terms of what we saw in the soft CPI number, and he'd also be looking for soft job numbers and wages to look at skipping the September meeting. But I think Following that, you know, the Fed would still potentially be live. But if trends continue in inflation and softer job market, I think, you know, the Fed's looking close to being done. 
Number four, the Bank of Japan intervened in bond markets overnight for a second time in a week. It's trying to stop longer-term bond yields from rising too much. That's after its mini pivot a week ago to slightly higher long-term rates, but not too high. Remember, it tweaked its yield curve control program, where it buys government bonds to keep interest rates low. It changed its target for the Japanese government bond yield, the 10-year yield, from 0.5% to 1%. And the Bank of Japan jumped in last night to stop it rising after seeing it go from 0.59 to 0.64, and that was the top. The Japanese currency fell almost a yen to 142.6 yen to the dollar overnight on that intervention news. Number five, let's go off the beaten track now. This week, the Bank of Thailand changed its stance on monetary policy too. It hiked its main cash rate by 25 basis points to 2.25%, and then it took a dovish turn. Here's ANZ economist Crystal Tan explaining why the Thai economy has gone off the boil in recent months, forcing the central bank to move back to a neutral stance. Spoiler alert, China's downturn is a factor. China's consumers, they're just not going on holiday to Thailand in the same way they did before COVID. Chinese arrivals are actually starting to plateau at just 30% of pre-pandemic levels. So that's introducing quite a bit of concern as to whether or not tourism recovery can be green. ANZ's Crystal Tan there. Now, let's take a deep dive into whether India can pick up the slack in the commodities markets as China's demand slips back. Here's ANZ's commodity strategist, Sunny Kamari. Yes, so we are seeing a diverging economic growth trends in Asia's two largest economy, China and India, where China's economy is going to slow down by 2030. And at the same time, India is likely to pick up its growth by more than 6%. And towards 2030, it's going to become a third largest economy in the world. So this diverging trend is going to impact the growth in commodities demand. So China will see a slack in its commodity demand growth. At the same time, this presents an opportunity for India to pick up some of the slack left by slowing China. And some of the economic growth in India will be fueled by commodity intensive structural trends like infrastructure investment, manufacturing expansion and urbanization. So therefore, we expect India's commodity demand to grow annually by at least 5% over the coming years. And at the same time, China's growth is slowing down. Will India be buying the commodities that China isn't buying anymore? I think the quick answer is uh, not exactly, because we are seeing the commodities demand in China is going to slow down. India is not likely to displace the uh, commodities which China is not buying. Though there will be some nuance to this development because China will be buying less less of coal. Even India is trying to you know, decarbonize its, its economy and it will have some impact. But where we are seeing the balance is uh, you know, some of the commodities like for energy, it's coal. What types of commodities will India need to import most? Uh, well, we see crude oil continues to dominate the import basket, with import share rising from more than 80% to 90%. And gas imports are also likely to increase as domestic production will struggle to keep up with rising demand. 
And among metals, copper imports will see a strong rise, while in case of steel and aluminum, where India is planning to expand its domestic capacity, will keep India's market balance positive. Apart from these major commodities, imports for critical minerals are likely to increase, where India is fully dependent on imports. And this represents an opportunity for resource exporting country like Australia to diversify its export markets. And what role will the shift to renewable energy play in the outlook for India's commodities demand? Well, energy transition will have a diverse impact on India's commodities demand. This will potentially temper the growth for fossil fuels and at the same time, it will support demand for metals and critical minerals. This is because of the simple fact that the energy transition is metal intensive. Having said that, the impact of energy transition will be felt more in the next decade when factors like electric vehicle penetration and the share of renewable sources will reach to be a critical mass. ANZ's commodity strategist, Sonny Kamari there, talking to us from India. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Friday, August the 4th. Catch you Monday, where we'll have all the detail and fallout from today's RBA statement and tonight's non-farm payrolls. This podcast was recorded for publication on behalf of ANZ. All associated disclosures and disclaimers can be viewed using the link in your media player or the ANZ website through which you access this podcast. All care has been taken to report the views of ANZ Research in the creation of this podcast, but as an independent host, any differing interpretations are strictly mine and not ANZ's. Feel free to contact your ANZ point of contact with any questions.